Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. My grandson is here in the audience today, and he held up a sucker that he got coming in the door. And he said, Papa, I can start this sucker when you start talking. And my wife leaned over and said, and when he's done, you have to be done. (laughs) So he and I have a deal. He's just going to take one lick at a time. (laughs) I want to just say a moment. I know uh, Jonathan and Precious are watching. I know they are because if I were a pastor of this church, I would be watching today because of all the incredible things that are going here, but I also just want to honor them uh, because I met Jonathan uh, a couple of years ago. We had a funeral together, and I heard his heart for the valley. I have since uh, understood Precious's heart for the valley as well, and I just want you all to know how incredible your pastors are, your folks who lead you, who they are, and what they're about. And I want to say as a fellow pastor, I want you to know that at night they don't wake up in the middle of the night and try to figure out how to make things more complicated. They wake up every night thinking about you, about how they can help this church be what it needs to be. And so I just want to honor them today and thank them for the opportunity to come to Payton City. Well, I I don't know what to call it. I think it's a setup. I really do believe that Jonathan set me up because he said, when, he, when we were talking about coming here, he said, I know you pastored in this valley for a lot of years. I know that you have a heart for the valley. It's the last Sunday we're going to be called Payton City Baptist Church, and I want you to do it. <laughs> yeah. But they're away right now getting rejuvenated and just replenished because next Sunday starts officially the future and I know that you are as excited as I am coming in this place when we drove in it was like man something God is doing something great here and and I just want to I want to honor Palm Sunday and I'm going to honor it this way when they were all gathered along the road and they put the branches down and the Lord came in they were anticipating can you 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 know when you read about it and you hear about it and you've heard messages about it they were anticipating what was about to occur now the only difference between them and us they were thinking they were going to be put in charge they missed it because seven days later they were saying crucify him right they missed it You didn't miss it. When you heard the call that this church had a new direction, you said, yes, Lord, take us there. So I want to come today to just just, uh, encourage you and, and admonish you to really get excited about what's happening here in this church because in this region of the valley, there needs to be a life giving church, and this is it. Are you with me? Listen, I'm used to people amening and clapping, so you do that. You feel comfortable doing that, you do that. I get, I get fairly excited, and I might get really excited today, so who knows where we'll go. But, but I will tell you, you are a rare people. It doesn't happen very often that a church is willing to shift gears and take a totally new direction. It's not easy to do. 
It's not a, it's not a path that many can stomach. And, and you know what? You guys have made it. And you are launching next Sunday morning. And it's the best Sunday to be launching on. Come on, isn't it not? Listen, Easter Sunday is the best Sunday to be launching new and fresh. And what I want to speak to you about is, is something that even the second song, I didn't have anything to do with the music that was chosen, but the second song today speaks about the message I'm about to give you. The title of my message today is When Jesus Calls. And it comes out of the Old Testament, but we're starting with a scripture found in Matthew 9, and this is the message scripture. Here's what it says. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Who are the workers? You are. Where's the harvest? Is it here? Where is it? It's in the valley. It's to the north and to the south. It's to, I think that might be me. It is. One of the things that I, I get to do is I serve in the St. Mary's Fire Department, and my phone's on, and they, they're sending out an alert to come. I'm not going. <laughs> but the Lord has given me opportunity over my years of ministry to see his call happen and to be a part of it and to, and to watch the transformation in people's lives when they listen and hear what he says. When you read that scripture... When it says, it says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, we often read that and go, yeah, I agree, amen, until it comes down to the rubber meeting the road where you're going to be the worker, and it's going to influence and take over your life, and it's going to cost you something. Listen, what you're about to go into as a church is going to cost every one of you something, and that cost is worth it. It is worth it when you see that one that one that Jesus is looking for, and you get to be the one that finds them. There's no greater joy in your walk with the Lord than having that moment when somebody comes to Jesus because you decided to invite them or you decided to have the conversation or God used you to love on them when they were hurting. You see, that's what the Spirit's call is. That's what the call of Jesus looks like. I love the, the, the video we just had, <clears throat> and I have to tell this one. It's a quick story. I've got to tell you about the guy at First Baptist Church of St. Mary's that transformed my life. He was, he was 83 years old. He had been a member of First Baptist Church of St. Mary's for 67 years. Now, you might remember and may have heard Back in the, about 2002, we did a, 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 a drama there called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Well, this guy was the oldest, one of the oldest members of the church. And we had a discussion about whether we would do Heaven's Gates. And he was on the trustees. You know, you have your oldest, wisest people to make the financial decisions. And he was one of those guys. And I had a little video of what that drama was, and I showed it in a trustee meeting. And the next morning, he came to my office, and he was crying like a baby. And I thought, what in the world has happened to this 67-year member of the church I said, Jim, tell me, what, why are the tears on your eyes? 
And he said, Pastor, we have to do the drama. He heard the call. We have to do the drama because the Lord has been giving me a dream over and over that one day we'll see the house full and it'll be overflowing in the streets. I believe this thing will do it. We have to do that. Do you know who made the motion to, for us to do that drama years ago? Jim Park did. Oldest member in the church. I love that moment because I realized in that moment these people were on fire trying to find out the will of God and where it would be and they would do anything for it to happen. So he stood up that day, made the motion, and they spent the money and did all of that. Opening night, St. Mary's had 600 people in the audience for the first night. It only holds 300. Don't tell the fire department. 610 people showed up the very first night. You know who was in the middle of that crowd? Jim. Bawling. Big whale tears. And I came over to him and I said, Jim, why are you crying now? And he said, Pastor, I can go home. He said, I asked the Lord to let me see it and then I can go home. You know what God blessed him with? Seven more years. Seven more years of seeing hundreds and hundreds of people come to Jesus. Do you see that vision for this church? Do you see that God is going to use you to be the harvesters? Do you see your role in that picture? Because if you don't yet, you need to today get it down and get it right. Because the Lord does speak. He does call. And he calls his children to be the workers in the field. And every one of us have a role to play in that. <clears throat> Here's what I know about you guys. Here's what I figured out, and I figured it out as I just kind of watched you online and I listened to, to, to Pastor Jonathan and Precious as they describe you. We went, my wife and I, Annette and I, went to dinner with them not very long ago, and just to, they listened to our heart and we listened to theirs because two pastors, the two families coming together and just celebrating what God is doing. They love you guys. They love the Lord more than you guys, but they love you guys, and they love what God's allowing them to be a part of. But you know, I, I've learned about who you are. You are an Ephesians 3 church. Let me see if I can give it to you. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, and more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that is within us, you are the church that God will do immeasurably more in. So in our best effort, I want you to think about for just a second, imagine in your heart what Valley Church is going to do. Just for a second. I'm serious. Right now, I want you to do that. I want, see yourself imagining what God is going to do. Now, he's going to do more than that. Because whatever we can think or imagine, God's going to do more. But he will do it when we say we're in. And really in, sold in. You know what else I know about you guys? You're, you're actively sharing your faith. Philemon, verse 4 through 7, talks about, when Paul wrote the letter, he wrote it to him, and he says that you would be active in sharing your faith. There's a third thing, and I know this is true. You are the two versus the ten church. You know what I mean by that? Think back for just a moment. They sent 12 spies into the promised land to look it over. Do you remember that? Do you remember reading about that? They sent 12 spies in there. Ten of them came back and says, no way are we going there. 
But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, there is, it's flowing with milk and honey. Have you seen the milk and honey? Come on, has God given you, has God given you the picture in your heart of hearts of the milk and honey of Valley Church? Hold on to that. Carry that. Hold dear into your heart because you know what happens when you go by the faith of the two versus the ten? What happened to the nation of what happened to the children of Israel? They didn't get to see the promised land, did they? Scripture says that they went with the ten instead of the two and missed what God had for them. But I know what about you. You're the two. You know God can do it. You believe God can do it. And you're ready to get involved in doing everything that you're doing. Everything you're doing in this building. Everything you're getting ready. It's because you're a part of the two. So I want you, if you will, for just a moment. To turn to the book of Nehemiah. Because this is where I'm going to teach you a little bit about what building looks like. What growing looks like. What really, when God speaks, when Jesus speaks, what it looks like. You see... There's something that's happened to the church in the United States, particularly, in the last two years. Do you all know, have you noticed anything about it, what happened? When they made all the rules and everybody couldn't be anywhere and couldn't do anything and the churches shut down, what happened? Here's what I believe happened. I believe that there was a shift in the church during that time period where the people who weren't really serious about church left. But when we came out, started coming out of COVID, the people who are really serious about the kingdom and doing kingdom work, they came back. And they're coming back in droves. Here's another side to what, I'm, what I've seen post-COVID. There are more people seeking answers right now than ever on the, on the, in, in the, on the history of the planet. There are more people needing to know the truth about Jesus and who he is and to be their savior, there's more people questioning and there's more people wanting to know. And you know what? The harvesters, you and I, are the ones to tell them. So what God is doing, he's called back the ones who really are sold out. And that's what we're seeing in churches that are thriving and growing across our nation. The ones that are serious about sharing the gospel, the ones that are really after lost people, God's blessing. And you're one of them. I love that. I love to know that about 20 miles north of my house, there's a church that's life-giving right along the highway that everybody can reach and everybody can get to, and God's going to blow you up. Listen, if you think this is what it is, mm -mm. this is just the beginning. You're going to begin to see more and more lost people find their way here to find the love of Jesus. And so I want to give you just a picture for just a second. It's found in the book of Nehemiah. It's, Nehemiah is a favorite book of mine. Of all the bo books in the Bible, you know, John 3.16 is a very favorite verse for a lot of people, and this is just driving me nuts if it's not driving you nuts. It's already down here. I don't know what happened. But, <clears throat> but one day, I read a verse in the book of Nehemiah that caused me to reread the book over and over and over. And the Lord began to pour into my spirit what he does when he, when he causes a movement to occur, how he does it. And I think it would be healthy for you to see today through this next little bit of what God does when he's ready to move, when he's moving on people, all right? So if you're in the book of Nehemiah, I want you to do, number one, just get to the first chapter, 
the 11th verse of the first chapter. God always, listen to me, God always raises the insignificant to do the magnificent. That's a catchy phrase. He raises up the insignificant to do the magnificent. I don't feel very significant in the kingdom of God. Do you? I mean, if you really knew me and knew everything about me and go, are you sure you're, you could be a preacher? Yeah, only by the blood of Jesus and his forgiveness am I here. But oftentimes we feel insignificant. Sometimes we ask the question, could God really use me to win somebody, to show somebody the kingdom? Yep. But I've been through all kinds of ugliness and difficulty and heartache. Yep, he can use you. I've been, I've been divorced. I've been, I mean, we're at Warehouse Church now. You know, Warehouse is known for taking anybody in. And they got a lot of luggage and a lot of baggage sometimes. But you know what? That's in store for you guys because you're going to begin to tap into where God really needs you. Because who did Jesus go hang out with? The sinners, right? He, went at, he, he hung out with the people whose lives were all jacked up. Just look at the disciples, who they were. They weren't very significant, were they? I mean, they weren't, they weren't the, the, the big dogs. He didn't go after the mayors and the governors, did he? No. In Nehemiah 1, verse 11, Nehemiah says this, I was the cupbearer for the king. You talk about insignificant, disposable. The cupbearer was the guy who drank the little sip out of the wine cup before the king drank it so that they would know whether it was poisoned or not. They went through an awful lot of cupbearers, right? But what God showed me in that, in that, when I began to reread and reread the book of Nehemiah, he uses anybody. He uses anybody. Listen, some people say, and, and, and I just, I love my pastor, Pastor Justin. I love him with all my heart. And one of the things he taught this old preacher was about how to deal with people's past. Because he uses a phrase, and he uses this phrase. He says, whatever you think disqualifies you, qualifies you. Come on, think about it for a minute. The very thing that, that people would say disqualifies you is the very thing God wants you to use to build his kingdom. Because you know who can help people who are in that place? People who've been there. Are you with me? So you think you might have something in your past that doesn't, won't allow you to do something for the kingdom? <clears throat> Listen to what this old preacher learned from a young preacher down in Parkersburg is, yes, that can do, and it can work. So God always uses, he always raises up the insignificant to do the magnificent. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, there's a description of what happened, what was going on. And it says there, and Nehemiah is a story of a guy who rebuilt a city. What you guys are doing is rebuilding a valley. What I love about your pastors is they want to connect with other life-giving churches up this river and down this river so that it can be a, a regional move that moves from the north all the way down, and we all work together to make that happen, right? Come on. That's the only way that it works. It only works if we band ourselves together. So when you reread the book of Nehemiah, which I'm going to give you an assignment on the way, by the way, that you, are, you have to go home and read the whole book. Because if you want a prescription 
to read and to understand what's about to happen to you as you launch into this next chapter of Valley Church, it's right here in this book. It's right here in the book of Nehemiah. Second thing that God does, he always reveals his heart to the willing. Listen in verse 4 of chapter 1. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's not insignificant. It's not insignificant for Nehemiah to write these words because it asks a question. It begs a question for you and me. Have we wept and mourned and fasted and prayed for our valley? Now, some in this room are shaking their head, yes, I have. But I can tell you, you really serious about what you're doing here and renaming this church and retooling this place and really going after it? You get to that place. Because let me describe it for you. Whatever breaks God's heart must break your heart. Then you'll know you're there. Whatever is breaking God's heart in this valley, when you begin to pray and ask him and seek him and he begins to break your heart for it, you'll know that you've arrived. Are you with me? I'm here to challenge you to ask the Lord to break your heart for what breaks his. What breaks his heart? Just for a second, what breaks his heart? Sin, okay, that's a general term. Let's get a little more specific. What things are going on in our valley that breaks his heart? Addiction. Marital infidelity. What breaks his heart? Gossip. Come on. What breaks his heart? Broken families. Broken people. People who are feeling like nobody loves them and nobody cares. Listen, what breaks his heart more than anything are churches that are filled up with people who think that it's only for them. I'm thankful this church is not filled up that way. This church is filled up with people who are willing to say, Lord, you break my heart for what breaks yours, and I'll do it. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Let me give you a sidebar moment with the, the Apostle Peter. It's one of those because Jesus said so moments. It's when Jesus encountered him. It's in Luke chapter 5. If, ah, see, it really makes me louder when I do that. Luke chapter 5, where, where Simon's having a conversation with the Lord. They've been out fishing all night. You remember this? You remember reading that story about how Simon's been out there. He's been fishing all night. They're dead tired. You ever been dead tired in ministry? You ever been dead tired working, serving, and doing, just getting worn out for the Lord, just get really, there's just nothing left? And then you have a conversation with Jesus. Here's what Jesus said to Simon. He said, Simon, go back out, throw your net on the other side. Now, Simon, he's always objecting to everything. He said, Lord, we fished all night. We are dead tired. We, we, we just want to go home. But then he utters these words. But because you say so. Don't miss that. Because you say so. If you hear the Lord speak, if you hear him say so, what's your next move? 
to do what he says, right? To do what he says. Because you said so, Lord. What did Jesus say? What's, what's Valley Church about? Go and find them, right? Compel them to come in, reaching them, right? Number three in Nehemiah. God records his call in our hearts. In chapter 2, verse 12, this is the verse that really got me. In chapter 2, verse 12, it says, I hadn't told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah speaking about, he's about to get it all going. He's about to get started. But he says these words, I hadn't told anybody what God had put in my heart to do. What's that verse saying? God writes it on our heart if we'll listen. It's God who writes his passion for people in us. It's Jesus who calls. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us that nudge. But he puts that, that heartbeat inside of us. You see, when God writes something in your heart, you can't do anything else. You can try. Do you know how well I know that? Let me tell you how well I know that. I was 17 years old when I got saved. I was 18 years old when God put the call of ministry in my life. I was 29 years old when I finally got at it. I spent nine and a half years slinging paint on houses because I was running from God. Anybody run from God? Guess what? You better give in, right? Those who have already given in, you can say an amen to that one, right? If you've been running from God, give in, give up. Because I ran for nine and a half years. I was miserable, absolutely miserable. I knew what God had put in my heart. I knew what he was saying for me to do. But I was scared to death to go do it. I was scared to death to step out and say, Lord, you'll really take care of me. You'll really take care of my family. I'm doing a great job here slinging this paint. Until I met up with a friend who sat me down and he said, I've heard you tell me the last time about going to one day be in the ministry. I don't want you to come to my office and talk to me about it anymore. It's time for you to fish or cut bait. Best advice I'd ever received from anybody I was asking counsel from. Because when he said those words, I realized God had written it in my heart. If I'd have said no, I've thought about this. If I'd have said no that day, what would it have cost? Can I share with you just a moment the journey that I've been on in my life? The Lord has taken me across this planet twice, doing missions all over the world, different countries all over the place, taking people there. Took me to one place in a little village in, in the Dominican where I ended up in the back of a truck with the chief of the tribe that we had been serving. And I was preaching a message about why we had come and this chief had worked with me all week long, didn't speak a lick of English, and I didn't speak anything, I didn't speak French Creole. But we worked side by side. But I'm in the back of this truck, and the Lord says, wash his feet. So I washed the chief's feet. The chief said, why is he doing that to the interpreter? And the interpreter asked me, and I said, tell him, Jesus sent me here to wash his feet, to serve his people. That chief stood up in the back of that truck. And said in French Creole, I want the Jesus 
that's in that man. If I would have said no to what God had put in my heart, that day wouldn't have happened. But you know what else happened that day? 400 people came to Jesus that day. If I had said no, St. Mary's, we wouldn't have done the drama down there because I wouldn't have been the pastor. That message would have never gotten there. Jim would have never responded to say, Pastor, we need to do that. You know how many people were one to Christ the first time we did the drama? A thousand people. The next year we brought it back, another 600 people met the Lord through that moment. I know what it means to have something written in my heart. Do you? And listen, if you're running from that call, answer it. I don't know why the Lord's given me this moment, but if there's somebody running in this room that's running from God, give in. Because you, you can't beat him. Life with him is so much better than life without him. Number four. God resources his vision. You're worried about where you're going. You're worried about, are we going to be able to pay for everything? We're going to have everything? Let me tell you something. Just a minute ago, I asked you to ask the Lord to write it in your heart, what you are needing to do. Let me tell you what I know needs to happen. I, need the, I know that the resources in the lives of the people in this church need to unlock to be able to be ready to do what all God wants you to do. So, I'm going to tell you, if God's calling you to give more than you've ever given, do it, right? If he's calling you to give your time more, give it. If he's telling you to give your abilities and your gifts, give it to him. Because he resources what he calls. And you're the resource. It's not somebody else's job. It's your job. God resources his vision. Nehemiah had been the cupbearer for the king. Do you know who God sent him to to get the resources to rebuild the, the walls of the city? The king. Think about it for a moment. The king could have said no, but God was already at work in the king's heart. So when Nehemiah came and said, we need lumber, we need this, we need that, the king said, you got it, buddy. Do you know why? Because what Nehemiah had already done for the king before. So God gave Nehemiah everything that he needed. God's going to resource everything Valley Church needs if you are willing to say, Lord, you have all of my resource. And it's going to take all of it, isn't it? Is it worth it? I'm sharing a little bit out of my life, but I, want, I had another moment just came up. When we were talking about doing Heaven's Gates and we were, we were fighting, we were, we were fighting about spending that much money because it was like $4,000 and the church had never spent that much money for a drama or anything. A wise gentleman stood up in the middle of the church and he said, I just have a question for everybody. How much is a soul worth? Can you tell me? How much is a soul worth? Is it worth you becoming a tither and above giving to get somebody in the kingdom? Is it worth you beginning to give because you haven't been? Is it worth you getting out of the stands and onto the game, into the game field, being involved and not being a bystander, watching what's going on? Yeah, that's what you need to do. Lastly, God rallies others to his vision. 
In chapter 2, verse 17, here's what it says. Nehemiah said these words, come, let us rebuild. They were getting to start. It was one of those anticipatory days. It was one of the, they're going to start. Do you know how much gumption he had to muster to be able to say that? God had told him he was going to rebuild Jerusalem. It was in shambles, right? In that moment, Nehemiah stands up and says, let us rebuild. I know what that moment's like. Do you know what that moment's like when you get out there and say, look, we're going to change the name of the church. We're going to recast the vision. We're going to get everything marching in another direction. Do you know how vulnerable that moment is? Many of you are part of that decision. You felt that vulnerability, didn't you? Right? Come on, don't, don't look at me that way. You did. Because it was a risk. It was, did we really hear what God was saying? Are we for sure we need to do this? Yes, you really need to do this. Why? Because he said so. You need to be affirmed today that he said so, so it's going to be okay. Nehemiah stood up and he said, we're going to start rebuilding. And you know what the next words that he heard were? I'll help. Because one by one, the people began to respond and say, I'll help. I'll be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. God's already spoken to me about that. He's already shown me what my role needs to be. He's given me what my instructions are. You see, it took 52 days. When you read the story, in 52 days, they rebuilt Jerusalem. Just for a moment. Imagine with me 52 days from next Sunday what will be possible. Just for a moment, close your eyes for just a moment. What has God spoken to you about what begins next week? Ask him to put it in your heart, what he sees. What are you seeing? Are you seeing those moments when people who've never been in church are walking the aisle? Don't look at me. Close your eyes and listen to him. He wants to show it to you. Jesus wants to speak to you about what's happening and what's coming. Does he see, do you see that place where you've been holding back, you, you surrendering? Are you seeing that moment where that friend you've prayed for for all these years comes to Jesus? Are you, seeing, are you seeing the need to expand and build? Some of you probably are. What the Lord gave me to give to you is this. Allow him to write on your heart what he sees, not what you see.
Lord Jesus, you're speaking to us right now. You're speaking to that person in this room, Lord, that has been fighting you. Not willing to surrender, but you're saying, surrender now. Lord, you're speaking to the ones who, who need to step up to the plate. Who need to become the harvesters and not be on the sidelines. Because they've been kind of holding back. Lord Jesus, speak into their heart right now and give them that confidence to make the step. Father, what you have written in our hearts, you understand what it's going to take. And Lord, you showed us through this little little walk through Nehemiah right now that you're going to make sure that everything's taken care of, but you just need us to become one of the harvesters. So Lord, speak to your children right now, young and old alike. From the youngest to the oldest, Lord, speak to them about what you see for them. Lord, if there's one that's fighting you about a call on their life, on their life, Lord, allow them to surrender to you right now. That you sent me here to tell them my story for that 10-year fight that I was just holding back. Lord, you sent me here to speak to them that you would call them because they're a part of the send of this church. And you're going to start today, Lord, because you're confirming it right now as I'm speaking. My friend, if that is you, surrender to him right now. Let him take you. Lord, we can't even imagine what all you have in store for this place. But you can sense it, Lord. I sensed it. My wife sensed it, Lord, as we stepped onto this place that you're doing something beautiful here. And Lord, encourage your children today to know they're on the track. They are taking the steps that need to be taken, Lord, because you are calling today. There's one other, one other group of people that I need to speak to today. And it's simply this. Is, God, is Jesus speaking to you about where you stand with him? Because my friend... You can put on a lot of church picture and still be running from God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. You're in the best place you could be right now because he's coming after you. He's for you. He wants you right now to receive him. And I will tell you, if that's you, when we sing, we're going to have a, a closing song here in just a moment when we're doing that song if you need Jesus I want you to we're going to be standing nobody's going to be looking around but we're just going to be singing that last song if that's you and you need somebody to talk to about it I'm going to ask you to step out and come up front where I am I want to speak with you today Jesus wants to set you free and if you've been fighting him and you've been playing church and you're ready to get in the game and you're ready to be serious about your walk with him take that step as we're singing, as we're closing this service out, you step out and you come. Listen, if you've been holding back anything from God and you just need a moment for somebody to pray with you, you slip out then too. You come up.
But let's just let, let Jesus speak into our hearts right now what he wants to speak. As we sing this last song, the worship team's coming. If you need any decision, you need prayer, you need anything, you slip out and you come. And we'll meet you up here at the front. Lord, thank you for these moments that we've been able to share together today. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.